0: Queer as the fork when the knife ran away with the spoon. Written and read by Fresny. Fandom, Beauty and the Beast, Fairy Tale. Rating Mature. Beauty grew up in a white walled box. Okay, no. It it was a knob hill apartment with a four hundred and twenty-degree view of the city. The degree thing was possible because of a high-priced refraction spell. His mom got a sharper image, but the walls were white. The yard was sidewalk. It was a box. The only plant was this dead cactus thing in the breakfast nook. His older brothers, Adila and Edie, broke it playing Destroy the Troll Tower with their dodgeball when he was eight. At this point, it's probably important to mention that his name wasn't actually Beauty. Well, yes, okay, technically it was Beauty. His name was Uzuri, which was Swahili for beauty, because it was a whole heritage pride thing with his mom, but when a kid has two older brothers, and it's like their life goal to torment the ever-living shit out of him, and by the way, he liked playing with dolls and trying on his mom's makeup, well, that kid doesn't get called Uzuri. Somewhere along the way, the name beauty stuck, and practically everyone forgot his actual name. Well, not his mom. But for the sake of not confusing you, let's pretend that she called him Beauty, too. Anywho, at the point that this story starts up, it was just Beauty, Edie, and Mom. Yes, she had a real name, but to Beauty, she was just Mom, who was kind of some big shot at a tall building down in the financial district. Her company did some sort of thing that Beauty could never quite figure out, but it involved moving money around. Dad, he had a name, too, but he was just a name to Beauty had died in a tragic cursed Maraschino cherry incident when Beauty was just a baby. Mom didn't like to talk about it. His oldest brother, Adela wasn't dead, but he worked with Healers Without Borders and wasn't around much. Adela was determined to save the world. Edie wanted to run it. Beauty didn't have a purpose. But all of that was kind of beside the point. The point was where this story started... Beauty was in high school, generally going for invisible. He whispered it every day when he went in those doors into that hard, white, acrid place. And everyone ignored him, so it was true. It's when the teacher stopped calling on him that he realized what was going on. He tried it for real going down to the leather district, while Mom was out being corporate. Whispered to his ID that it was 21, and the the bouncer let him in. He didn't tell anyone what he could do. He didn't want to end up in one of those schools for magic losers. He just wanted to lose himself, be himself, and it was this weird double life. Because Mommy and Edie didn't know, and he'd go to school and struggle through hard, cold rooms that smelled like detergent with hard, cold teachers' voices, then go out and let pounding beats define him, define his feet and hands and lips, bodies, sweat sliding, hands and fingers— And let's just say he didn't go for the dancing. Neither felt real. He didn't know anyone in either life. It felt like a dream. But that might have been the sleep deprivation. But all of this is beside the point. Because really the point was that one day, Mom sat him and Edie down and told him that her company had been vaporized in a battle between a giant moth and the Great Bull of Heaven, and the spoon and the knife had run away with all their money. They were going to have to move out of their expensive apartment and go someplace cheaper. Then she put her face in her hands and she cried. Not a single emo tear, not a trickle that made her look tragically beautiful, although she was always pretty to beauty. Great, big, racking sobs that shook her shoulders and left her gulping for air. That was the day that Beauty realized that his mom was a person. Okay, yeah, he'd known it but it had been an abstract concept, like central air or electricity. That was when he knew it. Edie stood there and stared at her. He said, Mom, what about college? Beauty wanted to hit Edie, but he couldn't, and hold Mom at the same time. Beauty held her, and for the first time, Mom felt small. He brushed his hand across her back. He breathed in the smell of Mom, which was kind of a mix of deodorant and fabric softener in her. He told her that it was going to be okay until she acted like she believed him, until he believed it himself. They left the city behind, left the box apartment and the bus rides down to tiny clubs at 2 a.m. and all of it. Beauty had one life now, and he wasn't sure what to make of that life. The place they ended up was a seedy little house next to a vacant lot on the far side of Ghastly Park. It was full of tree views. It had a view of trees. Cursed, "'gnarled trees, with orange leaves and blue flowers. "'But they smelled like summer to Beauty. "'He touched them and they shivered. "'He whispered to them sometimes, "'and lay beneath the trees until the flowers covered him in blue sky. "'Edie got a computer job that he complained about a lot. "'Mom got a job as a temp bookkeeper. "'Beauty finished out high school in a strange school, not that it mattered. "'He got a job at a garden supply store at the edge of the Gasly. And from the first time he pushed his hands into fresh compost and felt it crumbled, he knew what he wanted to do. He breathed in, and his two lives in the city felt like someone else. A strange longing dream in the middle of the night that snapped as he pruned vines and trimmed branches, watched the seasons spring and fall. Then one day, Mom came in, bouncing in her sensible low black pumps, powered up their magic mirror so they could Skype Adela on the other side of the wherever he was saving the planet, and told everyone that something had happened. And they were getting a settlement. This time, there were single-track tears rolling down her cheeks as she said, We'll be able to pay off our debts. There will be money for college. And Beauty kind of wanted it. He felt the beat of that old life. The life, Mom didn't know about, that he was kind of afraid of, didn't know, couldn't say, hadn't said, was a lie in his own skin. He smiled and hugged her. The next day she got up bright and early and took the rattling bus to the Gasly, so she could get a train into the city. Before she went, she asked each of them what they wanted. She felt like getting everyone a treat. From far away, Adela laughed and asked for supplies. Edie looked kind of dreamy and wanted his own computer. Beauty shrugged. He couldn't say what he wanted, but Mom was looking at him, so he asked for a rose. She seemed kind of disappointed, but she was supercharged in her sensible shoes. He didn't worry when she didn't come home that night. No one went across the ghastly after dark. The place was full of highwaymen and ghouls. The bus they'd taken to get them there had a machine-gun turret and a flamethrower. Idiot thought it was cool. Beauty didn't really want to be anywhere that required a flamethrower. He didn't worry until Mom came home the next day, gray-faced luggage under her eyes. All the vim had gone out of her. She stared at Beauty and held out a red rose. Then she slumped down on a kitchen chair with her head in her hands. Beauty wrapped his arms around her. It felt like she'd gotten smaller still. He didn't ask what was wrong. He could feel the way the words would bubble up. When they did, it didn't make much sense. Apparently there hadn't actually been any money, and when she'd come back the bus had stopped at the rest stop in the park. And she'd picked a rose in the garden. And there was some sort of beasts, in addition to the highwaymen and ghouls, living in Ghastly Park. And he'd put a gaius on Mom, and now Beauty had to go live with him. Mom got real quiet then. She said that, of course, he wasn't going, and that she'd go for him, because damned if any beast was going to take her boy, she'd kill him first. "'Beauty didn't know what she thought she was going to kill it with. "'He made her some chamomile tea. "'He told the tea to help her sleep. and "'That seemed to work. "'He and Edie carried her to bed. "'Edie asked him what was going on, "'which was a stupid question, and they both knew it. "'Edie punched his shoulder and then looked away. "'Beauty put several changes of clothes in his backpack, "'including his club wear, "'and on some consideration filled one of his socks with his change. "'It was an easy weapon, and yet money.' "'and his parrot-beak secateurs. "'Then he walked into the park. "'Ghastly Park was actually kind of nice "'in a strange, desolate wood sort of way, "'full of birds with human faces "'and deer with people's eyes. "'He only ran into one ghoul "'and told himself over and over, "'Go fast, go fast, go fast, "'and he went, oh yeah, fast. "'The highwayman who stopped him at the red bridge "'was actually really cute "'and wore very tight leather pants.' Beauty felt this sort of tight spot in his gut, and his heart beat very fast. It had been a very long time. But the highwayman took one look at Beauty and said, Oh, come on! That's just embarrassing! Get out of here! Beauty walked on. Finally, he came to the rest stop. He went to the rose garden. It was really pretty, but kind of unloved. None of the roses had been deadheaded, and they were kind of growing every which way. He clucked at them. And for some reason, because he was really... Maybe because he was totally avoiding the beast, he didn't go up the wide gravel path, but start cleaning up the garden. He'd made his way through the cabbage roses, which he told had been sadly neglected, but now that he was here to love them, they would do much better, and was inhaling some of the rich curling heirlooms when someone cleared their throat. That was when he saw the beast. And the only coherent thing he had to say was, Oh, that's not good. The beast was hot, as in seven feet of muscular thighs in tight velvet. Beauty wanted to run his hands all over them, but his hands were covered in rose sap and a wide lose-yourself chest. He had a lion's face, a really sexy lion with wide golden eyes and a thick black mane. Beauty realized that he'd been staring, so he said, Hi, I'm, I'm Beauty. Which is a line. Worked surprisingly well in clubbing. The Beast bowed and said, uh, huh, I, I was expecting he trailed off. Beauty sighed, just his luck. Uh, a girl? Yeah, I get that. He waved his secateurs at the rose garden. You really should take better care of your roses. The beast looked kind of embarrassed. He looked at the gravel and then at the roses. So, uh, you know, if I'm not what you were expecting, I could, um, go. Beauty shrugged, because what else was he going to do? He scratched the side of his nose, almost poked his own eye out, which was just brilliant. Beast coughed in a slow sort of boom. No, no. uh Then he turned around, and Beauty guessed he was supposed to follow him, and since the view from the rear was nice, he did. Beast did not live in a house. "'He did not live in a box. "'He lived in a marble palace "'full of soft carpets and rich, dark paintings "'and tiny spaces just begging to be a nook for two. "'Beauty followed Beast up some carved wooden stairs, "'the wood silky smooth under his fingers. "'Lights came on and off as they went into and out of rooms. "'It could be a spell. It could be the clapper. "'Hopefully not the clap.' Hard to say. Finally, they came to a pretty princess room. Beast coughed. Uh, this is your room. Beauty looked at the room. He looked at Beast. Now, it was true he wasn't exactly butch. But seriously, a 12-year-old girl with a unicorn fetish, armed with a bedazzler, would find this room a bit much. But what the hell. Beauty jumped on the bed, which was like floating on a very comfy pink cloud. Beast kept his eyes fixed on the pink unicorn wallpaper. Please, join me for dinner. Beauty flopped back and stretched out his long legs, which he liked to think were his best feature. Sure thing. Beauty waited until Beast left before redecorating. It felt weird, because he'd never just done something like this before. It had always been something secret, something anonymous, which, in a way, made the whole thing feel kind of amazing, kind of alive tilting the colors and fabrics and textures until everything was just soft. Then he got dressed in his best, let's fuck clothes, because as long as he was in the palace of a beast in the middle of an enchanted forest, he wanted to put his best foot forward. He went to the door and said, uh, well? A helpful light flickered down the hall. He followed the lights until he came to a banquet hall. A long table sat empty except for two chairs. Beasts sat at one of them. Beauty's chairs was at the other end, which for well, hell with that. Beauty dragged his chair down next to Beast, who, as he got a load of Beauty's pants and net shirts, said, "Um, which was a start." Beauty smiled brightly. Hi. He sat down and leaned forward. So now that you've got me here, what next? Beast cleared his throat, stared at something midway point across the room. Uh, Beauty. "'Will you marry me?' Beauty paused. "'I don't think that's legal.' Decided that a marriage proposal indicated some sort of interest. He got out of his chair and slid into Beast's extremely comfortable lap. Brushed his fingers through Beast's mane, which was rougher than it looked, but there were soft, short hairs underneath, like a secret. Trailed his fingers up Beast's cheek. Beast swallowed, glanced at him. "'Is that a yes?' Beauty cupped Beast's face in his hands and kissed him, strange and sharp and electric with cutting teeth, breathed into him. No. Offered him a truth. If I don't know me, how can you know me? Then he kissed him there. Sat there forever. Kept his hands on his face, just kissing. Nothing more. Lips exploring new landscapes. Until they were breathless. Until he could feel Beast's heart pounding a familiar rhythm. Beauty pulled away, looked at Beast, looked into his wide, golden eyes. He felt that doubled version of himself whispering to keep going. But he didn't. He slid off and said, You mentioned dinner. Beast stared at him, then he laughed in a log-low boobs until tears came from his eyes. Beauty rolled his eyes at him because it wasn't that funny. Then dinner served itself, and it wasn't a TV dinner. Flavors of beauty had never imagined. Textures mingling on his tongue. That first meal, they didn't talk. Beauty inhaled. Then he got up, brushed a hand on Beast's arm, and left the room. Lay in his very comfortable bed and told himself, This is a very bad idea. He fell asleep on that thought. The next day, he woke to the smell of delicious. He consumed breakfast in bed that sidled right up to him, then he dressed in his working-as-clothes, and went to the defense of that poor, neglected garden. Eventually he looked up, and Beast was sitting on a low bench, watching him. For lack of anything else, Beauty talked to Beast about the dangers of aphids, and dry rot, and anything else that came to mind. Lunch walked itself out, then they went back to the palace. Beauty cleaned up, re-club-weared himself, and went down to dinner. Beast licked his lips, and in a very hesitant voice... "'Asked Beauty to marry him. "'Beauty grinned and said, "'No, slid into Beast's lap, "'kissed his way down Beast's face, "'played with that ridiculous lace shirt of his, "'and looked up through his lashes, "'unlacing his way down. Beast's breath caught in his wide chest. "'His heart beat a rapid drum. "'What are you doing?' "'Beauty grinned, "'because it was fairly self-explanatory.' and worked his way down. Beast didn't stop him, just caught his breath. Beauty realized that he was purring in a long, low vibration that set Beauty's mind to all sorts of things. He slid further down, opened other things, and explored his way to the end, and Beast purr rumbling in his mouth until he was full of it. Beast's hands on his shoulder, claws on his shoulder, digging and piercing his skin enough to hurt. A slight, sharp hurt that matched the grind of his knees into the soft carpet, everything and nothing like those anonymous meetings in club bathrooms, soft and sweet, where they'd been hard and bitter. Beast tasted like wild clover honey that filled him with forever and a day. Beauty swallowed all that down, greedy He'd always been greedy for the more that he'd allowed himself in his divided life. He sat back on his heels and looked up at Beast, who breathed like a marathon. His wide golden eyes darkened the candlelight. Beauty threw himself into his chair. He hated to say it, but it had to be said. What about dinner? I'm starving. Beast stared at him, and he laughed in long, low booms until tears came from his eyes. Beauty rolled his eyes at him, because it wasn't that funny and food sauntered over and was delicious of them. Beauty devoured, because really he was really hungry, and suddenly, halfway through, it really was kind of funny. So they sat there laughing at the magical table, eating the magically delicious food, which they occasionally threw at each other because they could. After dinner, Beauty pushed his chair back and sighed. He supposed he should go back to his room, but he was seriously kind of keyed up. He poked at his plate and then looked at Beast, who stared at him. Not wide-eyed, narrow, predatory. Beauty knew that look. He got as far as, so, when Beast pounced on him. The chair went left, they went forward, till Beauty was pinned against the cold marble wall. He couldn't move his hands. He could hardly breathe. Helpless. He liked it. Beast's tongue was pebbled and rough like a great cat's, purring and devouring him, and then he really, really liked it pray under the growling beast, but, you know, in a good way. When he doozed back together, beast lay wrapped around him, idly licking his cheek. He heard beast ask, Beauty, will you marry me? Beauty sighed and pulled himself together, ran his fingers through his hair, didn't answer because that was answer enough. He woke up in the morning and thought it was a dream until he stretched. Pains in strange places, marks in his skin that traced a pattern on down. He fell back into his cloud with a laugh. Then he threw on his clothes, raced through the cereal, whose bowl did a little dance at him, and went down to the gardens. Beast found him by mid-morning, and he couldn't help but smile at him, just laughed to see him. The dew on the roses, thorns pricked in love patterns on his wrists, and he told Beast the proper way to make compost, which meandered into a muse of, could magic food be composted? He made it as far as maybe before he had other things to think about and yes the smell of crushed rose petals drifting down impressed themselves into the very core of him then he found himself going around the palace turning the wallpaper to rose patterns beast watched him do it traced idle patterns in his skin it was like heaven except it wasn't because beast would ask if beauty would marry him Kisses and alcoves and new uses for olive oil and sea salt, slick as the sea, and surged. Beauty devoured, consuming, saying, No. He hardly even knew why. Maybe because he was afraid it would stop. Not that they didn't do other things. Beauty did have a brain or something. Beast showed him his library, which was full of really thick books. The library chair was nice, though. What? Beauty was only human. Beast showed him a room full of mirrors and glass, each one showing a different scene. Beauty watched Mom, luggage under her eyes. He listened to her, too, her and Edie. Adela struggling against illnesses he couldn't even see. Weeks of that, of alcoves and salt, roses and watching and questions. He watched his big brother, strong as the world so far away. He watched him grow sick. He seemed almost close enough to touch. It would be nice at this point to say something nice but in the midst of everything beauty watched his big brother fade away and die watched the light fade from his eyes touched the mirror but couldn't reach out to say goodbye beauty slumped to the floor and he realized in that moment he hadn't known it he wanted so much to tell Adela who he was what he was tell him speak to him and he couldn't So he sat on the carpeted floor, patterned in roses, and he cried, shudders that shook his shoulders and took his breath as Beast held him, petted in random patterns down his back, whispering, It will be fine. Rest. It will be fine. In the morning, there was a note with breakfast. Uzuri, it's time to go home. He stared at the paper a long time. For a moment, he did not recognize his own name, the name of his birth. Beauty felt... He didn't know what he felt. He stumbled down the stairs. Lights flicked in distress at him. He thought briefly of finding Beast, but really he wanted Mom. He wanted her arms. How he got home, he couldn't have said. He walked. Nothing bothered him. Not highwaymen, not ghouls, not man or beast. Until he came to his home, his tiny home. Mom opened the door at his knock. He didn't even know where he'd left his key. She took one look and she knew. They cried together. Edie came home. They wept again clung to each other in the faded room. That night, he slept in his narrow bed again. It felt like trying to crawl back into old skin. Old pants, two sizes, outgrown. He got up around 3 a.m., found his mother in the kitchen. They stared at each other like shucked ghouls. He smoothed his hands along the tabletop. Cheap formica smoothed the touch. He swallowed, dry phlegm that stuck in his throat. He opened his mouth to say what he had to say. Mom said, I know, honey. She put her hand over his. I know. He shook then, trembled like a runner. She looked down. But I think you need to tell me. So he did. He told her himself. As he spoke, he knew who he was then. He'd known that he hadn't known until this moment, but he hadn't known what that meant. He brushed the table with his hands. "'and he asked it to be its better oak self, and it was. "'He stood up. "'I've got to go back. "'Mom stood up. "'She had her purple traveling purse in her hand. "'She gave him a mom look. "'Beauty, I didn't follow you once. "'If you think I'm letting you go back without me, "'you are mistaken. "'Now jump in the shower so you'll look nice when we get there. "'Put on some clean underwear.' "'He said, but Edie, he's an adult. "'He can put on his own underwear. "'He can come later.' Mom put her hand on his shoulder, and he remembered again that Mom was a person. It was all there in her eyes. They walked back to the palace together, through the forest with its ghouls. Mom beat one with her purse. The highwayman took one look and faded into the forest. Finally, they got to the palace. When they got there, the roses were all dying. Petals scattered on the ground and curled on themselves. Beauty called out, "'Beast, where are you?' He ran. He ran up and down halls, but none of the lights flickered at him. He kept calling, Beast, where are you? He found him in the banquet hall, asleep and gray at the table, long streaks of white through his black mane. Beauty ran up to him, wrapped himself around him. His breath was so faint, his heart a mere stutter. He whispered through his tears, "'Don't die, Beast! I'll marry you! Don't die!' Really, he should have expected it, but the room spun twice around, and three times, and seventeen. As he let go, his beast was gone. In his place was a man, still tall, still hot, but not his beast as all. But his eyes were the same. The man said, disappointed? Beauty curled into his lap. No, he whispered in his ear. I have my ways of making you the beast again. Beast laughed. Great booming rolls that Beauty felt through his old body. Beauty wasn't ready to laugh, but he leaned into Beast and breathed in. He whispered, my mom's here. Downstairs, we should be such and brushed his hands, fingers through Beauty's hair. In a moment, gathered him close and kissed him. As Beauty came up, he said, you know, I don't think it's actually legal for us to marry. Beast kissed him again, long, slow, deep. Then he said, we can deal with that next. The end.